This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. I'm Mike and I'm your host today as we look back at a 2-0 victory away at holders of the wooden spoon elect, Sheffield United. Join myself, Hambo and Patrick, as we look back at the game and all things Palace this week, right after this. The Match Report. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com Alexa, play Back of the Nest podcast. Playing Back of the Nest, CPFC podcast, from Amazon Music. Back of the Nest, now on your Alexa device and Amazon Music. Right, gents, so um, called today's pods, two deflections and there's a perfection, uh, which I think sums up the game nicely. Uh, we do have another midweek game um, against Southampton, so we'll try and cover that as well, recognising that a lot of you probably hear this after that game. Um, the preview guys will cover it in depth as well. Uh, we'll try and stay relevant, and we'll start by going over some Palace news for this week. So we'll hand to you, Patrick. Uh, talk us through the 7-1 demolition of uh, West Brom's under-18s. I know you watched it the other day. Yeah, um... It was a great performance. Um, fell behind early, um, but just in general, the uh, the under 18s have shown a lot of resiliency the entire season. I'm sure you guys know there. As of this recording, uh, we are in first place. The winner of our division will play Man United in the uh, Premier League uh, playoffs, and then that would team go to the UEFA Champions League. Um, but they played really well. I mean. Um, Paddy's done a great job with the kids. Um, very impressive players like David Omalabu, who's a, a slight um, striker. He's got 19, no, 20 goals now in 19 matches, which is incredible at, that, at any level. Um, Jez Raksaki, who was a player that was on the bench versus Chelsea, has signed the contract. I love the way he plays. It reminds me a little bit of Wilf uh, from a stature, but as a player, it reminds me a lot of Eze, except he's left-footed. He actually said that um, he's actually spoken to Eze a few times and he's kind of modeled his game after Eze, which is a great to see in the future. Um, again, we fell behind 1-0 and just basically uh, scored a 
seven goals in, you know, in about 70 minutes, but played really, really well. Um, an exciting young team. I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens in the future. As you guys, as everyone listening to this pod knows, I'm a big advocate of the academy. Having grown up uh, in the era of, you know, our greatest academy ever, your one FA Youth Cup, you know, Vince Allaire, Kenny Sanson, Billy Gilbert, etc. So um, I'm hoping that it's not going to be a uh, just like, you know, they go on and do really well and then we end up selling half of them off and the other ones don't make it to the first team. I'd like to see a couple of them make it to the first team. But just overall, it's been a really great season for the under-18s. You know, again, I think Paddy's done a really good job uh, with them and I'm looking forward to big futures for at least a couple of them. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I mean, I'm... Unfortunately, I didn't catch the game, but um, but I've seen a fair amount of them, and it's it's really interesting the the talent that's coming through, Patrick. I think you know you're right. You say a couple of them should make it, but <coughs> excuse me. But as a team, they're a really impressive uh, unit, aren't they? You know the fact that they've played together for for a while. They're really the first to properly benefit from the link up. I think we had with Oasis School back in the day. Um, they you know they've really come through as a proper unit, but probably most impressively is. Um, you know, I think uh, Teo Adarimola, the left back, um, it, it wasn't a name that people were talking about. Lots of people talking about uh, Omalabu. Um, and obviously, Raksaki's come out of, you know, almost nowhere after we got him from Chelsea and suddenly looks a hell of a prospect. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you think about Mitchell in the team and PVA potentially, hopefully moving on, you know, we could have two academy left backs next season vying for that place. How close do you think he might be to that first team? Um yeah, I mean, there was plenty of people on Twitter um, that were saying they'd much rather watch uh, the under-18 sides than our first team right now, so um, why not? A few people said about the uh, the left-back situation, and we'll certainly wait and see on that. Um, so the women's side, they finished their season with a really impressive 2-1 victory um, against Lewis, who, uh, you know, they, they, Lewis have been doing pretty well. They ended up eight points better off than, than Palace after the 20-game season, so... It's good, it's good to end on a high uh, 2-1 victory. Amber Gaylor and Lizzie Waldy um, scored the winner after Lewis uh, managed to equalise at the start of the second half. Um, yeah, I mean, they've ended up with 20 points from 20 games. As uh, Lee Nichol said in the interview she did with uh, producer Sam, who's producing today, um, you know, they think that really the only way that they're going to get m- more people to, to really start turning up to games, following them en masse, even more than they are now, is um, is by keeping proving themselves. And certainly the under-18 side are proving that because people watch the uh, the game on Saturday morning in droves. Um, so yeah, I mean, p- certain positives to take from the from the from the um, from the season, but uh, still a lot to be done. Finishing seventh, but as we all know, finishing above Charlton. Um, and then just a quick mention of the under 23s I mean, um, the preview guys covered it a little bit, but uh, into into the playoffs with a one nil victory against uh, Middlesbrough who um, they managed to play twice in a week which is um, which is odd they must have racked up some miles there uh, but that's good to see I mean um, what's your what's your guys thought on um, the under 23s well, I'll let um, Patrick jump in after me because I'm sure he'll have a, a bit more to say about that and, and the youth systems in general but that's been an interesting one isn't it because the 23s I wouldn't say they started the season particularly strongly and they more than any team have to deal with the fact that a lot of the players go out on loan. They don't know kind of week to week whether or not they're going to get first teamers. Um, so it's a really tough job. And, and Derry has done a, a fantastic job to really mould that into a team over the course of the season and, and get them playing well enough 
to you know not not only integrate some of the, the best of the 18s at different times Omalabo stepped up a few times I know Saki stepped up a few times and for them to to go on the way they have uh, and get themselves into the playoffs is is just phenomenal you know we've got it's not just about the talent we've got, you know, in, in terms of on the pitch. It's the talent we've got off it. You know, the, the managerial job done by both Paddy McCarthy and, and Sean Derry is, is pretty strong because go back to last season. This is that you got to remember, this is the yeah. first year we've played at this level, at academy level. That's not an easy thing to do. And whilst at some degree we might be a bit of an unknown quantity to sort of bring the, the team together and let's not ignore it, play a much better brand of football than we see at first team level. There's, <laughs> you know, there's plenty of risk at there. There's plenty of, of attacking intent. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a joy to see and, and, you know, tremendous to them. Yeah. Um, just to add what Hambo was saying, I, I, I like the look of the 23s, but I actually think there are, there's a little bit more talent in the under 18, but players like Sean Spence, Alfie Matthews have done really well so far in the 23s. And, and he's right. Hambo's right. As far as, you know, a lot of times you'll see, like uh, JP played, John Philippe Mateta played in played in a couple of twenty or one hundred twenty three games, scored a couple of goals, and Tompkins and Nathaniel Klein played in the first Middlesbrough game. So still a lot of the older players playing, but just overall it's a decent uh, squad. And then you got Rob Street, who's a, who's a forward who was out on loan and then came back and done pretty decent for the twenty three. So again, credit to the to the, the academy coaches there doing a good job there, and I, and I, I like. The look of it, and if it, again, you just said for them to to get to the playoffs in their first season in that category has been a good compliment for the for the club in general. Just leave you with a sobering thought on that subject. Um, the combined age of Paddy McCarthy and Sean Derry uh, is only six years older than Hodgson on his own. <laughs> um, so one other thing from the week. Um, so the the minutes from uh, the CPSP Trust meeting uh, that was held a few days ago um, came online. A few things. The, the main thing was that uh, WAEA are the shirt sponsor for next season. Still not in, entirely sure what they do, but you know they, they make more sense than Nutella did, I suppose. Um, uh, yeah, there's going to be three new kits next season, uh, the same as, as this season, and apparently they're going to be announced with three separate releases online at the end of June through July. Um, and the other thing of note that I took from the minutes, um, you know, there was plenty on the ESL, but um, next season, it, it, apparently, the, and this is a direct quote, there were no plans at this stage to open up the under-23s or the under-18s or the women's games to spectators. Um, that's a bit of a shame, but hopefully that will change with the fluid nature of um, restrictions being lifted. Okay, and that will do for... Palace news this week. Let's get on to the Sheffield United game. Might as well start with the lineup. Makes sense, doesn't it? So um, Schlupp and Townsend, both in the side. Um, my question really, did this suit Tyrick Mitchell better? Um, and just to mention on IU, so that's two benched appearances after apparently playing 12 games starting in a row. Um, I'm not sure I can disagree with the choice to bench him. Schlupp and Townsend look like a pretty strong setup, um, and sort of how does this this setup um, allow for expansive play? Really, um, Andy Park wrote into us very kindly on Twitter and said, "Why can't we play more expansive in our remaining games and see where it takes us?" Let's assume that we we did play fairly expansively against Sheffield United. Um, did the Schlupp Townsend experience work for you, gentlemen? Let's start with you, Patrick. Yeah, absolutely for me. Um, I just thought again. 
I, I, I like Ayu, but he was playing way too much. Um, Schlupp offers more, as does Townsend. I absolutely love the free roll that Eze was given in this match. He was able to roam, pick up the ball, run at players. And I want to point out that as much as people like to talk about how Wolf is better as a winger because he's really the run at players, if you look at where the Eze plays because he's more central, that's what we need him to play in order to really help uh, as, uh, Wilf and Beteki up front. I thought Eze was brilliant on sat- Saturday because of the fact that he was able to have so much space. You see the run that he created for that first goal and obviously run for his, for his own goal. The space that he created is better. So I just think this, this lineup is, was much better. I, I love having Mitchell back and left back. I'm not a PVA fan. Um, I thought Keate and Cahill at times were a little ropey, but I thought Luca did a great job of screening the, the, the back four. And I think that role that he has where he knows he's going to stay there and do not, not much more is much better for us. And again, I thought that having Schlupp and Townsend out wide as those options to also run at players was, was great. So I thought the lineup was much more expansive. It frustrates me um, the way that um, Hodgson has refused to go with a more fluid lineup, but I'll give him credit for Saturday. Uh, Saturday's lineup was was by far uh, the best one I've seen in a long time. And even though we played a, a, a really, really poor Sheffield United side, I was glad to see that he made some changes. So, um, yeah, so there's, that's, a, that's a really sort of proactive way of looking at it. And I, I've got, you know, I've got to be honest. Personally, when I saw the lineup, when I saw that Gyro had been dropped for Jeffrey Schlupp, I, I thought it was the right decision to bring Schlupp into the team. Uh, but I expected him to play wide left I expected a 4-4-2 because it's just what I'm used to so my initial reaction was yet again what has gyro done to be dropped this is you know this is getting beyond the joke but when I saw that you know Eze had lined up central it started to make a bit more sense and then I just ended up with the whole why why now why did it take until now to start so first of all let, let's, let's cover the most important thing in that midfield right Okay, the most important thing in that midfield, Luca has taken a battering from Palace fans for a very long time. And it doesn't take a genius to work out that it's because he's better in a three-man midfield than a two. So if you're going to continue to persevere with him, make giving him a, a deeper role, a screening role against in front of the back four and allowing two central midfielders ahead of him to be, and we're using the word expansive, to be more expansive. That makes so much more sense. So why did it take until a game against bottom of the league already relegated Sheffield United for us to actually give it a go. Now, of course, you, you're sacrificing a little bit of will. For Patrick's absolutely right. By putting him back out wide, yes, you get the excitement of him being potentially isolated against a fullback. But, you know, that's we'd also seen him getting marked out of games on the flank. So it's not a great system um, unless you have a player like Eze playing the way he did. And I don't want to overstate it too much, but... You know, we only beat a relegated side, the worst side in the league, comfortably because of the performance of Ebrecheze. Absolutely outstanding. And, you know, finally, Mike, to go back to your point about Mitchell, it's another why, isn't it? It's another why play a player out of contract who's not going to stay at the club, who frankly isn't as good as Tyreek Mitchell. Why play him? Because we've just seen Mitchell play two you know, really strong games. He's a fantastic left back and a proper defender and links really well with Wilf down that left-hand side. So we didn't actually miss Eze being out on the left because because Mitchell was able to get up. Now, again, I'm covering so many points in one go here, but 
let's not get over you know overexcited about the expansive play because we played a team who inexplicably didn't high press us. They sat off and let they let us be comfortable, and that's really the only reason that game was as, as good from us and as comfortable as it was from us. So, frankly, credit to the manager for making changes too little, too late. It's not changed my mind on him, uh, and it just really emphasises a lot of the points that people have been making as they watch Palace this year. Why aren't we doing different things? Why aren't we trying, you know, picking the right players, backing the people who are playing well instead of picking the favourites? All those things just come to a head, and it's only. When the, when the season's dead, that we do them. I mean, by the time you listen to this, you might well know that I'm wrong, but I'm willing to guess that he doesn't play this formation against Southampton because he decided he's only going to do it against the side that are 20th in the league. Um, we, we'll see about that. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, I listen. I try and listen to the commentary rather than the um, your talk through, just so that I've got a different point when I'm on the pod with you, Hambo. And um, obviously, it means I miss DR's meltdowns and rantings which is tragic and you should all listen but um the i I think it was um oh i can't remember who whoever was uh commentating for sky mentioned that uh mitchell absolutely uh suits the formation that they've gone with in in that he isn't as expansive going forward um he's got cahill telling him to stay back i'm not sure if that's particularly true or not i know he cited qrt in the in the in the past as as the man that sort of that's grounded him, but um, it did seem to work. He he got forward when he needed to, but he, he certainly didn't bomb forward unnecessarily, um, which worked when you've got a kind of diamond formation in the middle. So, um, yeah, it, it was great, but I, I look forward to it never being done again in uh, Roy's reign. Um, I wanted to bring up the fact that Mateta wasn't brought on. I mean, is, is it even worth worrying about it now for the rest of the season? It, do, do you think he might just be thinking... You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna see the back of this manager and then see where I am in terms of favour. Um, or he's already at the stage where he's frustrated because the, what else could, does the man have to do? I'm gonna I'll let Patrick speak more about this. I'm sure, but my my perspective on it is pretty simple. It's that how often does Roy Hodgson actually play players that are bought for him? You know, that's he, he seems to have this way of of operating, which is <laughs> you know give him a taste take him back out the side, give him another little taste here and there. Um, and, and you know, what is he trying? Is he trying to convince Benteke to stay? Is that the game here? But, you know, he, he has the players that he trusts. But Mateta hasn't done anything wrong. Yeah. He scored a great goal against Brighton. Yeah. And ever since then, we haven't really seen enough of him. And, and I think he's a really talented player. And how do we really know whether or not he's a player we want to sign? You can see him in training. You can see him interact with the squad. How does he, you know... In how does he integrate that? That those sort of questions you can answer, but until he actually plays regular Premier League football, you know how do we know whether whether we want to keep him or not? And that that loan deal is for you know another year yet, and hopefully we'll get a manager at some point that will give him a proper shot. Yeah, um, it's ridiculous at this point. I I don't understand why. I don't care what the clause is as far as if he plays X amount of minutes or scores X amount of goals, he gets to play or the clause for the transfer goes through. We have to see more of him. Now, as people who listen to the pod know, I, I, I've coached from U10 up to U23 level, and I've got I've coached players who've played professionally. But in America, you know, we, we have a different uh, rules as far as substitutions go. But when I used to coach, I always try to get players, you know, playing time. It gave them incentive to want to train harder and, 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 and work harder and, and score goals later on. I don't understand this fixation that, Hodgson has in not playing Mateta at all. I don't know why you can't give him 
10, 50 minutes and end of matches and him to be, you know, incentivized to come out and want to play harder next time. I don't understand. I, I don't get it. I get Hambo's point about Benteke. It does kind of make sense if he wants to, you know, re-sign Benteke. But Benteke's now done really well. I think the stats are he's got seven in 27. The most he's had, um, he had six in the last 71 matches. So he's already scoring a lot more goals. So at this point, Benteke is either going to stay or not stay. We've got four matches left. Let Mateta play. Seriously, let him play. Let's see what he's got. Because right now, having him on the bench is just so frustrating. It's got to be for, it's for me as a fan, you as fans, and also him. We've got to let. We've got to see more of Mateta. We have to. I just hope he's got the the mentality of um, Gyro, where he sat and while he wasn't playing, it didn't get to him. Um, let's hope he's a, he's a cool character, um, and let's see what happens at the end of the season. Right, I, ju- I just want to bring up something about the defence before we get on to. Um, what most people were talking about, which was Wilf, um, well, other than Eze, obviously. Um, so Klein's on his way back to fitness. Um, you know, he's had some under 23 time. Um, two, two points I want to get you guys to discuss. Is Ward playing well enough to keep him out? Um, and do we need to see Klein a little bit more before the end of the season for him to get another contract? I think he's already done enough personally. It's not his fault he's injured. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up, John Fleck. Absolute bellend, yes or no? Uh, the man stamped on a Spurs player's head a mere six days before uh, he looked like somebody had shot him when uh, Joel Ward just uh, gave him a hard tackle. So uh, he was on my naughty list. Uh, any comments about that? Welcome. Uh, Hambo. Well, um, I mean, on the John Fleck thing, that I mean... I don't really know what to say about it. it, it you know, you can call it cynical... You can call it, um, yeah. I mean, you've just put John Fleck bell end question mark, and I think simply the answer is yes. Yes, he is. Um, I, I actually think he's a half decent player. I, you know, I, I remember him years ago because um, back in the day, I remember Robert Fleck, his uncle, um, was a decent striker, uh, and I remember John Fleck coming through, recognizing the surname when he played for Scotland uh, Schoolboys. I was watching Schoolboy football at the time because Victor Moses was playing. So I watched a fair amount of that. And um, and Fleck was a really good player at that point, but never really kicked on. So to see him playing Premier League football, kind of like, you know, I kind of liked that. I kind of liked the fact that I'd seen him play as a kid, thought he was really good, and eventually he made the Premier League. But you're quite right, he's a bellend. And whether or not I'd, I'd like him if he was one of our players, I don't know. But, I mean, and, and going back to Klein, I'll, I'll let Patrick say more about it. You know, for me, similar to yourself, Mike, Really like Klein. For me, he's a better defender than Joel Ward is. Um, I think Ward has played extremely well. I, th- I thought he was finished, um, but he's a, is a reliable player to play at right back. But he still has. He's always had weaknesses in his game at the top level, and he still does. But you know, he deserves a testimonial at Palace. Been a fantastic servant for us. But to me, Klein's the better player. But let's see what happens with uh, with Nathan Ferguson. The whole season out, you know, maybe maybe he'll be fit for next year. We'll see. Yeah, handball. That's the key for me, uh, Nathan Ferguson. Um, from what I'm hearing and seeing, he's going to be playing. I know he can play central defence, but we're going to play him at right back. Um, you can't have Klein, Ward and Ferguson next season. So for me, you need to give Nathaniel Klein um, more playing time this season to see if he's worth a contract. If he's not, you don't resign him. And, I'd lo- and I love Nathaniel Klein. You have to stick with Ward and Ferguson for next season. So for me, the key is going to be, you know, how does 
decline physically, work out rest of the season. Is and from that point, you work out whether you're worth a contract. But we're obviously going to keep Ward. I believe he's already signed the new contract for next season. I would have gone with Klein and Ferguson, but Joe Wall has been a great servant for the club, deserves his testimonial, etc. So for next year, you kind of three right back. So again, it's going to be probably next season, Ward and Ferguson. Oh, that's some hard-nosed business decision in there, Patrick. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, you're speaking to a man that wants Balassi resign. So um, yeah, that would be a, a tragic shame. I absolutely love Nathaniel Klein. Um, he'd He'd made my he'd made my uh, my favourite team my favourite eleven when we'd done it back in lockdown, um, yeah. So let, let's just talk a, few, a little bit about shots and a, a little bit about Wilf. So um, my thought as I was watching the game, twenty one shots on goal. Um, what had changed? I mean, to be honest, it's probably the fact that it was Sheffield United. I don't know. I can't remember a time when a side had allowed us that much time and space. Like you said, there was no high press. Um, whether they've just lost the will to live, but. Um, what struck me is that we have been incredibly good at scoring goals this season from very few chances. Um, you know, I'd be surprised if we weren't up there in terms of um, conversion rate. So it, it felt the opposite of usual, having lots of shots and a lot of wasted chances. Um, you know, Benteke could have had four. Um, it, so that, that was quite, quite a shock um, and I, I was a bit surprised. And the other thing is, we apparently had 50.2% possession. Um, so is that the first time this season we've actually won with more than half the uh, possession of the ball? Um, but yeah, a lot of it came from Wilf, obviously. Um, I thought he had a, an up and down game, as I think most people did. Um, there were some very harsh words said about him, people saying he's finished. and um, People wanted to talk about his attitude. And uh, Mark Eagle 9 just wrote on Twitter to ask us to discuss Wilf's moaning. Um, I'll leave that to you two guys to uh, to talk through. Um, mm. A lot to dissect there, there's, but uh, I'll let you go. There's so much to talk about there, and and, and again, I'll, I'll probably finish and hand over to Patrick to, to say more about the Wilf situation. But to sort of focus on the shots thing, you're absolutely right. What what mainly changed, and what I said earlier, it, it was it was a fact we're playing Sheffield United now. What I genuinely think is that Sheffield United allowed us to play how Roy wants us to play first and foremost. You know, this is what he sets us up to do whatever system that he picks. It's to, you know, it's it's to play this way, to build up ahead of steam, to create chances, you know, in exactly the way that we did in this game. But lots most teams have worked out how to stop us doing that. And Sheffield United, for whatever reason, they must have scouted us, they must have seen how bad we are when we put under pressure. But if you give this team time on the ball and you give them confidence, we have the players to hurt teams. You think of, when you start listing them, and we've done it a few times this year, you start listing our attacking talent, it really is quite an intimidating group of players. And that's why most of us are so angry that we don't see decent football week in, week out. And you actually watch some of the football we played was excellent. There was some brilliant one-touch football at different times. At times, we, we worked through Sheffield United so incredibly well. When they, they had all sorts of players back, but you know we still created, as you say, 21 shots on goal. And just finally on that, and you talk about the number of missed chances. If you go back to the last time we talked about Palace missing lots of chances, is when we played a 4-3-3, 4-5-1 system. 
we don't miss too many chances under the four four two because we create create so few. <laughs> Um, pretty much because it takes us quite a long while to get into a position to take those chances, right? But you stick us into a four-three-three. The team plays better, the unit plays better, the, the football's better. But we, for some reason, we can't, we don't convert the chances, and that's that. All is the hallmark of the manager, unfortunately. Um, uh, but yeah, it was good to see the players more confident. And and finally, on the Wilf situation, again, I won't say too much on it, other than to say that. Wilf has always moaned. He's always been somebody on the pit who wears his heart on his sleeve, as the cliche goes. Um, but every top player has that attitude. Every top player wants to win more than anything. And for a top player like Wilfred Zaha to be playing in a Crystal Palace side that has declined under Roy Hodgson and stopped playing decent football, and he has to spend more time defending than attacking. And he's effectively, let's be honest wasting his talent at times at Palace it's a horrible thing for him to have to put up with right so if you don't want a player to be a human being and moan that's that's on you and and finally if you want to pick him (laughs) out and ignore players with that level of talent in in our club and in other clubs I mean look at Eze's face when he's not played well and he gets substituted look at him going off the pitch (laughs) you know with his bottom lip quivering and absolutely few do you want to pick him out no because he's not he's not the target at the moment and for some reason Wilf is Uh, and I find that absolutely abhorrent because he's our best ever homegrown player in my view and we are watching a player that will go down in Crystal Palace history as a legend and we have people picking on him for the fact that he doesn't like to lose and he doesn't like to be kicked out of games and for me that's wrong. Yeah, handball's nailed it. I wonder if any of the people who complain about Wilf have watched Jordan Ayew leave the pitch at any point but I'm not having this Wilf slander and I'm going to just pick up some points that handball Hambell really hit the, hit the nail on the head but listen, he did an interview today, it's on the Palace website for Premier League production for the pre-match for tomorrow's game against Southampton and he talks about how he hates to lose and that's where his attitude comes from people want to say it's moaning he just hates to lose I cannot imagine and I've made, and I've made this point on Twitter a few, so many times what it must be like to, for a player like Wolf to play under a manager like Roy Hodgson he's got to be dying inside the, the, the football is awful to watch it's terrible for a player who's exciting wants to win and wants to get on the ball, to have to defend so much and not see the ball. He's got to be so frustrated. That's why I want him to leave. I want Wilf Zahar to leave Palace so he can do greater things somewhere else. But for people to moan about him is amazing. I, I just don't get that. I, just, I honestly don't get it. People who do that must have an agenda against him, and that's fine. Have your agendas. I have an agenda against Hodgson. I mean, people have agendas. That's fine. But to 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 to. to to get on Wilf's case, because he's playing in this side and doing his best. He's got he's a top goal scorer. He puts a shift in all the time. Of late, I think he's injured. Maybe he's not, but he looks like he's injured to me, which is, might be part of why he's not doing well. But to, to get on his attitude, we've known this about Wilf for 10 years now. I mean, come on. Move on to another subject. But no, I'm not having any Wilf slander. And I, I mean, I'm not having it. But like I said, I want Wilf to move on. I can't imagine playing in this under this in, in this system, and uh, he can do much better. And, and you know what? I'm a I'm a Wolf supporter, and always will be. Now, bear with me on this. I used to have a Nissan Micra, a one a one point <laughs> four petrol <laughs> Nissan Micra, um, and there's a particular hill, a particular hill on the A21 where there's no way that this shitty little Nissan Micra would go above about 50 miles an hour. Um, and when you just said about Wilf being injured, 
um, the frustration came to him. His face was the same as me as I tried to splutter <laughs> my way up this hill on the A21. <laughs> so if he's injured, then absolutely um, that could well be the reason. But what I wanted to bring up was people saying that his face um, was terrible when uh, Eze had chances that he should have squared it off to Wilf, etc. And he was angry with, with Eze. There's no way that that's true. The words he said about Everici Eze are, are, he hasn't said about anyone since Balassi. And it's just absolutely not true. You're, you're taking two and two and making 29. So p- please, if you're one of those people, um, re- reassess your thoughts on, on Wilfred Zaha. You've seen him enough, you, you, you know. Um, one other thing I wanted to say, you know, Benteke had some decent shots. Um, there was some, there was some championing of him from uh, Jonathan Benteke on, on Twitter. Um, but I think I've come to the conclusion that the Jonathan Benteke account is actually not really Jonathan Benteke. Um, and that was, that was the real heartache that I felt from this week. <laughs> Clearly, it's a Palace fan that's having us on. There's no way that Jonathan Benteke only pops up to talk about his brother never talks about himself and has 347 followers so um it's 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 a crying shame but um anyone that's been duped by the jonathan benteke account um i think you'll find (laughs) that it's actually not true right before we cover southampton preview uh just want to talk a little bit about our sponsor pitch sport Back of the Nest, sponsored by Pitch Sport. Fun time videos, choose your match day squad, post match ratings, and much more. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um so you know, you know by now, um it's it's a great app. Um we 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 talk about it every episode. Um, if you haven't had a look recently, they've got a, a game called Four Play on there, which is great. It's it's a bit like um, it's a bit like Super Six. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that because uh, Sky might sue, but it, it, it's better in a way because um, each side is given a certain amount of points um, for a victory. So you're going to get less points for um, Man City against Sheffield United if Man City win than uh, a team that you're taking a bit more of a punt on. Exactly like a proper bet. 
Um, it's a really good prediction league. Um, obviously, it started mid-season, but get involved now and then we can start it properly for next season. Um, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, but also, you can review You can review the games. Um, you can put your review. You can say what you want the team to be. You can say what you think the score will be. Um, you can talk about the games afterwards, what you thought of the managerial choices, player ratings, that kind of thing. Um, if you'd like to be involved, you can follow Hambo on there with the code Hambo. K-U-G-K-U-T. Yes. Or you can follow myself with the code E-N-E-Y-D-K. So yeah, Pitch Sport, um, there's plenty of Palace legends involved in it, um, some of which even are involved in the making of the app. So yes, get it if you haven't got it already. Right, Southampton, obviously... A game's popped up in the mid, middle of the week. Um, they had a decent run in the FA Cup until they were knocked out by Leicester. Um, so our game from a few weeks ago was postponed until Tuesday evening. So they're 16th at the moment. Um, for, for a side that earlier this season were top of the league, they sunk like a stone. In fairness, they've had some very tough games recently. Um, you know, they well, I was about to say Spurs, maybe not Spurs, but... Um, you know, they've just played Liverpool. Um, they've lost to Leicester. Let's play Leicester twice in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, they've had, a, they've had a tough old run, but they're there on 37 points um, below Brighton. And um, I think they're looking to bounce back and finish the season slightly on a high. Um, I'm a little bit worried about this game. I don't know about you, gents. Let's start with Hamburg. Yeah, so it's a tough one, isn't it? They, as you say, they had a, a storming sort of part of the season. And... Um, you know, I'm a big fan of their manager, uh, Hasnall. He's, um, he's, you know, he's a he's a bit of a character. He's not, you know, the kind of tr- traditionally st- sort of you know big name manager you, you expect at a Premier Premier League club. But he always seems to turn it around when they when they have bad runs of form. And they've got some really talented players. And every, obviously, everybody hates James Ward Prowse, but he's been superb for them and, and rightly got international recognition because as a technical footballer he is excellent um he's just a horrible human being and um and i wish nothing but pain on him so um but on the other side of it you know that you know they've been danny ings fc for a while as well and um you know when he plays when he gets chances they are a really dangerous side so they've got lots of decent players they, they've you know done pretty well but to to fall the way they have you know I, I don't know really what the root cause of it is you know i suppose southampton fans will probably be able to tell you and in amongst the kind of potentially negativity and all that, you know, some of them might feel similar to the way we feel that, you know, things might have gone that little bit stale under a manager who's been there for a long time, potentially, or they might just, you know, really be looking at, um, you know, key injuries to players at, at important times that have caused them to drop. But, you know, they're, they're a strong side yeah. and, and, and you know, we're going to have to be decent to beat them. They're going to give us far more of a game than Sheffield United did. And they certainly won't lack any energy. And you know who they're going to target. They're going to target Wilf. And they'll probably give similar treatment to Eze if they've watched our last game. Yeah, um, I'm looking at their previous like eight fixtures. They've won one match in the last like eight matches. They beat Burnley 3-2. I didn't realise they struggled so much. It's a side that was top of the league, I think, in November, December. Um, but um, I'm not looking forward to the match only because uh, I'm, I'm afraid we're going to revert to type and give them too much respect, go back to the old 4-4-2, PVA at left-back, um, maybe McCarthy midfield with Luca. Uh, I don't know. But um, it, we beat in the first match of the season. It was a very good win, you know, looking back on it. Um, 
I'm a little worried, like I said. If, and I'm not, I think Ings is still injured. If he's not playing, we'll have a better chance of winning. But as Hambo said, you have to worry about the irritant that is J- James Ward-Prowse. He'll, he'll wind Wolf up because we know Wolf has been of late anyway. If they've been watching any of our matches of late, they'll look to wind him up, which won't be good. But if we can stick with the 4-3-3, press them a little bit, you know, take an early lead. I think we can get something out of the match. But I'm not looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to um any games that Hodgson's managing the rest of the season, honestly. Well, I mean, they're they're going to look at the last four games as, uh, as as winnable. So ourselves at home, Fulham at home, Leeds at home, and then West Ham away. That'll be a tough one. But um, they, they could finish with a, a fairly respectable points total. So um, as you say, they've had a dire run and... If they want to turn a corner, it's got to be now. Um, so it, it, it's it's worrying for me. Um, and similarly, it's it's probably on paper our easiest game to win um, before the end of the season. I mean, everyone's going to say Arsenal right now, aren't they? But, um, you know, Southampton, then Villa, Arsenal and Liverpool, um, you'd think really it's, it's our most winnable game. So um, a little bit of pressure on perhaps, um, albeit we're mathematically safe. Um, so yeah, um, presumably you're doing a, a, a watch watch along for the for the game, Hambo. If anyone's yeah, listening before this, ab- absolutely right. Um, yeah, head to YouTube. Um, obviously, we we broadcast the watch along on Twitter and Facebook prior to kickoff. From kickoff, it's on YouTube alone. So subscribe to the Back of the Nest channel on YouTube. Plenty of other content on there as well. If you want your say after the game, they are run some fan cams as well. They're they're always entertaining for one reason or another and mainly it's DR's reactions to everything that, that causes the entertainment uh, we had a cat featuring in the last one that was quite fun so um, a cat who didn't <laughs> didn't agree with, uh, with with the talk about Benteke to Fenerbahce got very angry about that so there's there's always something to watch there and you know I think I'll, I'll be interested doing the watch along you know the things that I'll be looking for really are, are you know are we going to make any real changes to that you know you're quite right to pick it out as our only winnable game, realistically, Mike, on paper. Uh, and then it makes me think if we don't play, let's say, Mateta, we don't give him an opportunity in that game, do we then give him an opportunity against sides that we're going to struggle against? And, you know, he won't see much football, you know, at all, even if he's on the pitch for 90 minutes. So there's lots of things to think about with that game. And um, and it'll be, I'm sure it'll be probably potentially our last real joy of the season. So do join us for that. I've just got to bring people's attention to the fact that um, I was I was running the Twitter for uh, the Sheffield United game live, and uh, a gentleman contacted us um, to say he'd like to speak to Dr. because Dr. had managed to persuade him on the watch along uh, that he actually had personal connections to the owners at Sheffield United and could uh, <laughs> help get the uh, the young kid a trial. So uh, I I got to uh, I got to break his heart. So that's. That's the kind of thing you can get from from the watch along, and then, uh, as you say, Dr speaks to uh, various Palace fans afterwards as well. Um, just to mention the Arsenal game, the tickets, um, I, I, I think they've been going slow but steady. You know, people are still a little bit reticent about it. Um, I was a, a little bit devastated to find out that, despite how many points you've got, if you went to the Spurs game, you're uh, bottom of the list for Friday. So. Let's see. I may well be watching that at home along with a lot of the rest of you. I mean, that's pretty much it for now. Um, so on Wednesday, producer Sam, will it be Wednesday that the preview guys are back? Uh, so Sam's just made a who knows uh, face at me. Uh, they'll be back before the game anyway against Villa with uh, their usual irreverent uh, Albert bashing and Watford references. 
Um, in the meantime, catch us on all the usual socials. If you don't follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whichever of those is your poison, get involved. Um, we, we run them all day, every day. Um, and that's about it, really. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks to everyone that got in touch with questions and comments. Uh, thank you to Hambo and Patrick and the long-suffering Sam for producing. Uh, until the next pod, come on, you palace. Back of the Nest Review Show, sponsored by PitchDMM.com. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.